Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Entree Pastors podcast. My name is John Sanders. I'm one of the co-founders of Entree Pastors and a co-host of this show. Kind of doing a little mini-series by myself in the studio this week, and it'll probably stretch into next week. A little five-part series. This is part three of a series we're calling Challenging the Model of the Full-Time Pastor. And if you go back and listen to previous episodes, you'll kind of hear me unpack this idea that while there's nothing inherently immoral or wrong, you know, from a sin standpoint, about this model, the traditional model that we have built and accepted and thought about pastoring being this full-time vocational professional gig, a J-O-B, where we are employed by a church. A lot of pastors have been there, done that, myself included, and um, yet what we're saying is that it's not wrong, but there's probably a better way. There's Probably, not probably, there absolutely are some unintended consequences of that model that are not healthy for pastors and ultimately for the churches that they serve. And in this series, I'm unpacking five of those. There's probably more that we could identify. Uh, we're going to jump right into the the third thing that I want to talk about today. And again, these are in no particular order, but I'll, I'll make the statement this way. When a pastor's only income is from a church, when you're in that traditional place that many pastors aspire to be, that's when you've hit it, you know, you've hit the big time. When you only have to work the one job, you don't have to be bivocational, you don't have to be out in the marketplace. So when a pastor has arrived at that place where their only income is from a church, not to mention the income usually sucks. We'll get to that tomorrow, I believe, or in part four of this series. But here's here's the other thing. It can cause them to be hesitant to preach boldly, to lead innovatively, and to confront problems in the church. We'll we'll go through those uh, one by one. But bottom line, when a pastor's financial paycheck, their, their sole paycheck that supports their family comes from the giving of a church, it can cause that pastor to think twice when the need is there to preach the word of God without apology, without faltering uh, to a congregation that may not like what they're hearing. And I would contend, now let me go to the positive, then we'll come back to the maybe not so positive. The positive is this, praise God that over the years there have been and continue to be countless men and women of God who have stood boldly in the pulpit and preached the truth of God's word regardless of the cost, knowing it was going to cost them something, and they did the right thing anyway. Praise God for that. Uh, you're probably one of those pastors, and I'll, I'll just believe the best about you and say, you know, you don't let the fact that you could be fired for preaching the truth scare you. You, do, you obey God rather than men. Amen. That's awesome. And yet, the reality is this. How in the world did we get to a place where we see mainline denominations that at one point even though yes you know maybe there's certain differences in in uh doctrine and some some significant you know viewpoints that that we would differ on from one denomination to the next at its core there was still very much a christian judeo christian uh biblical approach to some of the morality that that was preached from the pulpits across this nation and around this world and how did we get to the place where some of this woke, godless, just secular, humanistic, satanic, demonic teaching 
come into these mainline denominations to the point that we're now seeing them splintering and fracturing away. And yet, you know, many people walking through the doors of churches today that even though they, they walk into a building that's got crosses and steeples and stained glass, there's a really good chance they're not hearing the gospel of Jesus. There's a really good chance they're being presented with an agenda that is anything but Judeo-Christian in its value and truth. And how did we get there? Well, again, not saying that this thing fixes all of it, but part of the issue is this. As that crap started to come into these churches and into these mainline denominations and being pushed down from the top, the line of defense would have been, should have been, could have been the men of God who were called of God to stand in the pulpit and preach his word. Now, some may say, well, if they never even knew the Lord to begin with, there's your problem. Okay, I'll see that. And yet I would contend there are many pastors over the years that chose security in their finances instead of paying the price for standing up to this godless agenda that has infiltrated the church so deeply. Bottom line, pastor, if you preach that way, you're not going to have a job here anymore. What happens when that pastor is three years away from retirement and they're you know, church or denomination holds their pension and, uh, you know, you're just going to sacrifice all of that. It's easy to sit here and say, oh yeah, I would. And and maybe you would, but clearly many have not. Clearly there have been, there's been a price that some are, are not willing to pay. And when you are solely dependent upon that church for your professional vocational income, I have heard story after story after story of that bully deacon, that bully elder, that bully influential family in the church that approaches a pastor after hearing a sermon they did not like and saying, Pastor, you will never preach that message in this church again if you want to work here. That happens. I pray that's never happened to you, but I know way too many pastors that have faced that. And so that's one thing. The the next one, it can cause a pastor not only to be hesitant to preach boldly, it can also cause that pastor to be hesitant to lead innovatively. If there's ever been an institution that should be known for its creativity because we serve the creator himself and created in his image, if there's ever been an institution that ought to be known for its adaptiveness, its its willingness to adapt and overcome and try new things, it should be the church of Jesus Christ. And yet, Sadly, for many stagnant churches in the Western part of the world today, the church is known as the exact opposite of that. Like, we love the way we've always done it. We love the rut. We love the tradition of how it's always been. We resist change. Part of that is because the church is made up of people. Um, But I don't know what, man. Like, there's something to that when a pastor is has this idea of, I want to lead in a new direction. I think there's a way that we could approach ministry differently or change the style of how we're doing this or that. And yet they know that that decision is going to tick off the, the base that pays the bills, including their paycheck. It can cause a lot of pastors to lead from a place, a posture of just this neutered, I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll just be your meek and mild, gentle shepherd who's here to hold your hand and kiss your boo-boos and do your funerals, I will not have the courage and the backbone to lead where we need to go as a church and to stand up and face whoever wants to you know, stand in the way of that because at the end of the day, you can threaten me with my paycheck. So I'll sit down, I'll get in line, I'll follow you instead of you following me, even though God has called me to be the one leading in this season. 
Uh, I'll follow you. I'll follow the 51% majority rule of this church. Praise God for Robert's rules of order that I never read about in the New Testament, but somewhere the American church thought that was a good idea to structure ourselves to look more like a, you know, British Parliament or the United States Federal Congress, which is known for its, you know, ability to work well. And so we we base our leadership structure very much the same off of voting and committees and who has the power, who can get the most votes instead of following God-ordained and God-called leadership. And what causes that leadership to often buckle under instead of standing up and boldly leading in new and innovative ways, it's the fear of, well, what if what if they don't like it and they quit giving? What if they starve out my paycheck or just flat out let me go because they don't like these changes? I'll tell a quick story from my own life where I where I was a victim of this. And I, I say victim, it was my own it was my own weakness. This was my own doing. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. But real quick story, I'll try to make this brief. Did y'all ever heard of the book Letters to the Church by Francis Chan? Um man, that book ruined my ministry a few years ago. I say that somewhat jokingly, but not so much because here's let me tell you what I mean. That book opens up with this question. Francis writes this question to to pastors and to just believers. He said, if if you had never been a part of this thing called the church and, and then someone drops a New Testament in your lap and says, build this thing that you see in here, this thing called the church, would you build your church to look anything like what we've built as a church? Well, let me tell you about the season in which I read that question and grappled with that. Because here's the truth, guys. If we're going to be honest, like I don't know too many of us that would go, absolutely, I would build exactly what we've built, a building that sits empty 96% of the week where everyone comes and sits in rows and faces the front and listens to one underpaid professional get up and talk, and, and then everyone goes home and forgets about it for the rest of the week. That's exactly what I would build. Not really. But here was my problem. In that season, I had been leading a church that I had planted, and I had followed a lot of mentorship in my life that told me this is what church looks like, and it was kind of the attractional style of ministry, if I can use that label, of just high production value. Sunday's the big thing. Everything's about Sunday. You know, the, It becomes very much... I don't want to say performance because the heart behind it was sincere. Like we sincerely want to reach people for Jesus and preach the truth, but we're going to do it in a way that's excellent, that engages people. And again, I'm not even saying that all of that is bad. And yet here's what I knew is that when I was able with God's help and the help of a lot of people around me, when we were able to kind of climb that mountain and get to what we were told was the top of that mountain, I realized we had climbed the wrong mountain because it was empty and it was not as effective as I thought it was going to be. It it was a spiritual treadmill trying to keep up with all of that. And it was not light. It was not the light burden that that Jesus talks about when we yoke up with him. It was heavy and it was exhausting and it was not effective if I were being honest. And yet here's the problem. I I had a vision for an innovative new way, not really new, but kind of taking it back to the original. What if we did church differently? And I won't go into all of that now, but I had kind of a vision for what it could look like. But then, are you ready for this? What instantly set in was, but if the people don't like it, what what happens when I stand up and tell them, guys, I know I cast the vision for where we've ended up. You all followed me to the top of this mountain, and it's the wrong mountain. And we need to go 
client, we need to blow this whole thing up. We need to kind of take down this infrastructure and go do something radically different, innovatively different. Uh, what happens to my paycheck? How many pastors find themselves in that situation right now where you're like, I know there's there's got to be a better way. There's bold things. We should be doing innovative things. We should be doing new things. We should be doing. But I know the minute we do this, Gladys isn't going to be happy. They're going to quit giving. They'll probably leave the church and take their giving with them somewhere else. Um, so there's that. So a hesitancy to preach boldly, to lead innovatively, and then finally to confront problems in the church. Maybe you're a fortunate pastor who never has problems in the church, but you would be the exception, not the rule. The, the, the rule is there's going to be problems because you got people gathered together and there's issues. And sometimes a good shepherd needs to, to face down the wolves in the flock. But sometimes those wolves are dressed like Gladys. Sometimes those wolves can quote scripture. Sometimes those wolves have a testimony of salvation, and yet they are not there to edify and to build up the body. They're there to divide and to to dismantle. And a good shepherd from time to time has to face down those wolves and send them packing. And that can be really terrifying when those wolves have gotten themselves into a place of power in the church and influence. And when then they can use that leverage over a pastor to say, bring it, bring the fight and watch who's standing when the smoke clears, watch whose paycheck is no longer there. You guys get it. You've, I'm sure you've all heard stories of pastors that have sat down intimidated from the very people they probably needed to show the front door and say, there you go. Don't come back until your heart's right with Jesus. Um, and yet, man, I can't do that. That's my job on the line. That's, that's how our family puts food on the table is through this J-O-B, this full-time gig that I have in the church. And so something to think about. All right, we got to wrap this up. I'm trying to keep these things brief. So how does the entree pastor model address this issue? Bottom line, your church will recognize that you can't be threatened with your paycheck. When they know, look, our pastor does not, you know, is not fully supported by this church, that that our pastor has a business or several businesses that are, you know, bringing streams of income into his family, like, we can't really beat him up with threatening to take away his massive $30,000 a year paycheck. Um, that changes some things, and that would be my goal for you. So here's my question for you. If the idea – well, does let – me, let me ask the question this way. Does the idea of being financially independent from your church sound like an attractive destination to you? I just wonder if I'm speaking to any pastors who go, man, I would love that. I'm not saying that you don't get paid anything from your church. If you're doing those, you know, delivering those results of a pastor, you should be paid for that. And what you do with that money is between you and the Lord. If your business is so lucrative that you're able to give all that back to the church, praise God. But that's not why we do this thing at Entree Pastors. Like, it's not so that the church doesn't have to pay you. I've heard people say that to us before, and it's like, no, no, that's not what this is about. But is that an attractive idea to you, Pastor, to be in a place where you are financially independent from the church? I hope so. And um, if so, I want to invite you to let us come alongside you and help you this year, 2024. Let's help you launch a business that can be the vehicle that helps take you to that destination. Because that's that's how we can do this. We can help you plant a business, launch a business that becomes so profitable that your church income is just icing on the cake. It's gravy. And what you do with that gravy is between you and God. You can give it all back to the church if you want, but here's the one thing you can't do. You can't be threatened with that small paycheck from the church anymore. 
because it's no longer your only source of income. You've got a business that's providing that on on multiple levels. So that's our vision for you guys. If we can be of assistance to you along this way, please don't hesitate to reach out. Shoot me an email, John J O N at entrepastors.com. Let me know how we can come alongside you and support you. Thanks for tuning in today. We will see you tomorrow. (laughs) 